Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. (laughs) Well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. If you ask people what is their favorite Christmas carol, you know for sure that certain songs are going to be on that list, like Silent Night, like Oh Holy Night, uh, White Christmas, for example. But there has been a song that has come out more recently than those that is also ending up on people's lists of favorite Christmas songs, and that is Mary Did You Know? If you're familiar with the song, it asks Mary certain questions about Jesus. Mary, did you know these things about your baby boy? So we're going to take a look at some of those questions and see if we can answer them based on what the Bible says. So in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study, we're going to try to answer the question, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters. Did she know that? Well, let's talk about it. So anyway, uh, Today we're going to talk, we're going to start our Advent series, and uh, we all have favorite Christmas songs, right? Um, I mean, if I were to ask you what your favorite, if you had to pick only one, like this is my one most favorite Christmas song. If I could only listen to one Christmas song during Advent, what would the one Christmas song be that you would pick? That would be your favorite. That's your favorite. Joy to the World. I like Joy to the World, too. Joy to the World is not just a Christmas song, if you really look at those lyrics. It has, it's more, it is is a Christmas song. We sing it as a Christmas song, but it is even more, it can also be an Easter song, as a matter of fact. Any others? I like A Holy Night, too. Silent Night. I, someone had to say Silent Night. I knew someone. Uh, I heard the bells on Christmas. Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to pick just one, isn't it? I like Oh Holy Night. Oh Holy Night. I love that song. Sorry. Well, you're right. Mary Did You Know has become, um, Joe and I were just, we were just in Mike, we were just talking about that before y'all came in, uh, that that has become an iconic Christmas song. And it's, it's interesting because it's relatively new. Mm-hmm. 
in the canon of Christmas songs. I mean, you don't go back like hundreds of years, like for Silent Night and some of those others. Um, I don't know when it was first came on the scene, but um, it has been within my lifetime, certainly. I remember when it first came out. So for it to have become so quickly one of those, when you say, what's your favorite song? And people say, Mary, did you know? I'm like, whoa, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. Joe, you know a little bit about the song, though. You want to share what you were? Well, uh, Mark Wilder was the one that wrote the words, and, he, and uh, then they gave it to Buddy Green, and they made the song in 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, 15 minutes. Um, and uh, they, were, they were on tour, and Buddy and uh, Mark came up with the idea of it, and Mark wrote the words, he handed to Buddy, and the rest is history. Was it in the 70s, you think? Um, 70s. Yeah, I would say... Because Buddy Green passed away a while ago. He didn't write the words in 15 minutes. No, he didn't write the words. He, uh, uh, Mark Lowry wrote, wrote the words. Oh, but, and he, but uh, Buddy. I'm not saying though they weren't written. The music was written. The work, like, not the words. The music. Yeah, the music. Well, the music is kind of. It is. It is interesting though, is it? And and what is the what is the theme of? We're all familiar. What is the theme of that song? What's the idea of it? He's the one. He's the one who's. Come to be our savior, right? Looking forward as a baby, she doesn't have any idea right. what the future is going right. to hold. Right. The idea for me is like <clears throat> if we, we if we could go back in the way back time machine and be there, the idea is it happens very soon after Jesus' birth, right? It happens very, very soon, just as she's, my in my spiritual imagination, she's holding Jesus for the first time, right after he's born, and she's looking at him. And the idea is, if we could go back in our way back time machine and be there in that moment, these are questions that we might ask Mary at that time, knowing what we know today, to ask her, Mary, did you have any conception, any concept, any idea at all of who this child will be? Because remember, there have been some, uh, at that point, there have been, this is before the shepherds have come, before the wise men have come, but there have been some things pretty miraculous that have already happened, right? I mean, Gabriel has already appeared to her to and tell her that this is going to happen. And an angel has appeared to Joseph in a dream to tell him to take Mary as his wife, even though she's expecting. And so certainly they have talked to one another as they've made this trip, which is a pretty long trip, actually, by foot or camel or donkey or whatever they got there. Uh, so certainly there was some conversation between them. Hey, my angel said this. Hey, my angel said that. Hey, you know, uh, and so certainly there is some expectation, right? Some expectation, but did she know all the things that we know, or could she have possibly known? So, well, we're going to answer some of those questions today. So that is, that's what our, our Advent series is about. Our Advent series is 
we're going to take some of the questions that the song asks and say and try to figure out did Mary know these things or did she not know them? So let's. Uh, I think Mike has. This is Mark Lowry actually singing his own song. So. 1984. 1984. Okay, so it's even more recent than. Yeah. And Buddy Green's still alive. I don't know why I thought he passed away. in 1991. What's up? It's a okay. He says Lowry spent seven years ironing out the lyrics, and uh, artist Buddy Green wrote the musical accompaniment in 1991. Wow. So it is really. So it's even more recent than we thought. Words were not written in 15 minutes. No, he said. But the music might have been. The music might have been. Okay, here we go. He may have put it all together after 15 minutes. Is the great. 
That gets you right there, doesn't it? It gives hope for every mother who has an ADHD child. <laughs> That's what he has. Yeah, it, there's something about uh, hearing the person who composed the song sing the song because they just bring something to it. It's as good as other people sing it. There's something special about that. So, yeah. So look at Luke, please, if you. Um, have your Bibles with you. And so we're going to try to answer the first question that the song asks. And so today's question is, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? So Luke chapter 1, um, I'm sorry, chapter yeah, 1, uh, verse 26 that's where we're going to start. And uh, so it says there, at 126, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. I mean, of all places, why in the world in that middle of nowhere town? Uh, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The uh, virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So what do we know about Mary from the Bible? She's a virgin. She's a virgin. That's uber important. We assume that she was, right? Okay, so so that so that's 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 where we're going to get to is we know very little about Mary from Scripture. Uh, we don't have a we don't have a you know she was like this and like that and like the other thing. We have this general kind of. She was highly favored. So let's dig into that for just a minute. What would make a person, or what would make Mary so highly favored, do you think, that of all the people on earth, of all the women that God could have chosen to give birth to his son, what made Mary highly favored in his eyes, do you think? Now, this we're just going to speculate, right? Because we don't really know. We just have to kind of say, well, these things make sense to me. So what do you think? She was completely innocent. Innocent. And devoted to God. Devoted to God. Obviously, that has to be part of it, right? She's a descendant of David. I'm sorry? A descendant that, And that's David. that's very important. She well, was a descendant. She was, it says it, was, it doesn't, but she was. Yeah, I know. So, so that would be a qualification. I thought Joseph was. But they both were. Oh, they both were. They were both of the tribe of Judah, both descended directly from David through different children of his. So uh, Joseph came through Solomon's line, and Mary came through one of the other children's, uh, one of the other children of David. But they both were of Judah, and that was a requirement, really. Because Jesus was to be of the of the tribe of Judah. Other anything well, else? I think she was young and humble and uh, open mind, willing to do what 
That's an important part, isn't it? Um, I, I, I think when I think when uh, Gabriel says to her, "You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you," that that is a, a two-prong kind of promise to her. Uh, when he says you are highly favored, what he's talking about there is you are highly favored because of all the things that you are and have been up to this point in your life. So that's an assurance for her. And then he says to her, the Lord is with you. And I think the idea of that is the Lord is with you and will be with you from now forward. So he's kind of saying to her, this is happening because of the person you have been, the person you are, and for all the things now that will come because of this, this thing that's being brought into your life, this, this wonderful blessing that's being brought into your life, that the Lord will be with you from this point forward. Uh, so I think he did that for her because it's scary. It's scary. She's young, right? <clears throat> and um, this just ain't the way it's supposed to happen, right? But I think maybe we can draw some generalizations if we look at someone else in the Bible who was chosen by God for a specific important purpose, who was probably similar in age perhaps to Mary, who also had a big blessing that he was being given, who was also uh, uh, chosen for a specific reason. Can any of you all guess who I'm talking about there? David. David, David right? Exactly. So the poetry of God here, that Mary's a descendant of David, and she, like David, is being chosen by him for this Big thing, even though at the time, certainly neither one of them felt prepared and ready for it. But God says, I've chosen you. Now, let's go back to David for me. You know that story well enough. We don't have to go back to it. Was he the first choice? I mean, when Samuel went to find through the sons of Jesse, the one son who would be chosen to be king of Israel. Uh, did Jesse, did, did the father think David was the guy? Oh, no. no. Did Samuel think David was the guy? No, no right? And so uh, it wasn't until, you know, God, what did God say to Samuel as to why he was picking David? He said, men look at the outer appearance, but I look at what? The heart. the heart. I look at the heart. And so I think Mary, being a descendant of David in God's poetry, had the same kind of heart for God that David had. And I don't know what that is. Because... As much as I try to have a heart for God, it can't even be close to what David must have had and Mary must have had. What was it? I don't know. 
But there was something about their heart, their love for the Lord that set them apart in a special and powerful way. But beyond that, think of the, of the, of the similarities. David was overlooked even by his own family. I think Mary may have been overlooked. Uh, David uh, was, I think, taken for granted by uh, his by people. And I think maybe David, maybe Mary was taken for granted. Uh, David was not the first choice in many people's minds. I think if you had gone back and seen Mary at that time, she may not have been your first choice, right? Uh, she, From what you saw of her, maybe she was not all that impressive. I don't think she was all that impressive to just as to look at her, right? And yet, they both had this heart for so why was she highly favored because she had this heart for god similar to the heart that david had now the one thing the other thing they did both have in sim, that were similar too is that when samuel told david he would be the king he believed it and he never doubted it and he had faith that that was going to happen even he had to wait a while for it to happen he never doubted that he would become king and mary for the moment gabriel tells her this never doubts it, never doubts it, believes it, and has faith in it from that point forward. So that, I think, is, we don't know much about Mary, but I think if we keep in mind that, in my opinion, I think she was a lot like David in these ways, and this is part of the reason that God chose her uh, for this. So let's go on here. Um, We're at verse um, 28. It says, uh, let's see, where are we? Uh, Okay, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. In other words, the the idea there is, Mary, don't run away. Don't run away. Stay right where you are. Uh, You have found favor with God. So here he he repeats it, doesn't he? He says up there in verse uh, uh, 28, you who are highly favored. And here again he says, uh, in verse 30, 30 right? Uh, I can't read it. Whatever verse that is. Um, uh, uh, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. He says it to her again. So he wants her to know that she's been chosen for this. That there is a reason for her to have been shows you are highly favored. In other words, like Jan said, I think she was frightened to death, right? First of all, just have an angel appear to you, that's enough, isn't it? Because it says right there, don't be afraid, which means what? She was afraid, right? Yeah, so he's trying to assure her, look, uh, because it says there, what? What is her reaction? What, what, what are the descriptions of what she was feeling at that moment? Greatly troubled. Greatly troubled and wondered, greatly troubled and wondered. Now, greatly troubled, the interpretation or the the, uh, the, the uh, translation of that word from the Greek means to be perplexed and confused. Makes sense, right? To be perplexed and confused. And the translation of the Greek word for wondered means to be struggling in your own mind, trying to figure out 
what is going on. It's the idea of wrestling, like a wrestling match, right? It's like you're, you're trying to, you're trying, it's, you're going, you know, you've done that before, right? Where you've like had a wrestling match in your head about what does this mean and what am I supposed to do? What am I going on? What is, what's happening? And so she has this confusion and this wrestling match in her head. She's trying to figure out what's going on and add to that fear. And Gabriel wants her to know, settle down, right? You're highly favored with God. God sees you. God knows you. God is going to take care of you. Just rest in this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is anyone else hot? We're going to talk if you cover it, you're out there. I'm sorry? Gabriel, every time he appears, he's going to want to see this. That's great. Yes. But I think he's that huge. I mean, I think he, and the angels, when I'm talking to so, I mean, it's extremely frightening to her to see this, you know, this supernatural yeah. thing. Yeah. And, yeah, three days, three days. Um, uh, so, but he always says that, do not be afraid, because the natural inclination is, oh my goodness, this huge thing, what I, you know, uh, I think that's part of it. No, I agree. I mean, there's not a single, really, there isn't a single reference in scripture to an angel making an appearance when the person who sees the angel isn't frightened. I mean, it's every single time. But it's very often Gabriel. It's very, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, Gabriel also appeared to uh, John the Baptist's parents, you know, as well, and that kind of thing. So, okay, so let's let's so so this is kind of the situation that Mary is in at this point. She's perplexed. She's confused. She's wondering. She's wrestling in her mind what's going on. She's afraid. And Gabriel says, you know, it's okay. God has God has you. God has this. So let's go on to the next verse, and it says, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay, there's the pronouncement. There is the pronouncement. Mary, this is what's going to happen, and this is who your son is going to be. So, what does she? What does? What do we know that Mary knows now that she didn't know before? Well, haven't they been looking for a Messiah for four hundred years? Yep. So, if she's aware of that, is any of this going through her mind? There was. From all the history that She's you can gone. read, there was at the time a general expectation that those years had passed according to prophecy and that the Messiah would would come around that time. There was a level of expectation. Whether or not she was aware of it or not, we don't know. Really, you mean at that time, like 400 years from yeah. Malachi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There was some prophecy, like in Daniel and so forth, that there would be a certain amount of time that would pass before the, the Messiah would make an appearance. And those who were scholarly enough to look at that would right. do the math and say, should be coming any time now. You I know. thought they were all so, looking for him at that time. Yeah, there was. That's what we're saying. There was an expectation at so that time. She would have known that. Possibly. But what do we? What does she know from what we just read? What do we know now that she definitely knows? You will be great. He will be great. She will have a son. She will have a son. She's going to have a son. He's going to be great. His name's going to be Jesus. And he's the son of God. He's the son of God. It's not just any son. It's the son of God, right? 
So that's a big deal. So there's going to be a king. Yeah. Well, you know, they thought that they thought the Messiah was going to be a, a king, but not no sense. Okay, we're just saying, what does Mary know? So what she knows is going to be a king, right? And who's he going to be a king of? The house of Jacob, which means, which means he's going to be king of the Jews. So what Mary knows at this point is she's going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of God, and he's going to be the king of the Jews. And one more thing. He's going to be an eternal kingdom, an eternal kingdom. So these are the things that she knows. So let's go back to the song. The question that Mary Did You Know asked is, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? So to define whether or not she knows, to, to, to understand whether or not she knew this, we have to define one key word. Save. 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 We have to define save. Now, it doesn't say anything there about defeating your enemies at this time. No, it doesn't. What he says to her. No, it, right. He doesn't say that, but that was certainly what the culture of the day expected, right? So when, if we say, what did save mean to Mary? If we go back, if we go back in our way back time machine and say, Sarah, Mary, did you know your, your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? What would she think immediately? She would think of what kind of a salvation would she be thinking of? A conquering king. Yes. A conquering king, exactly. She'd be thinking of a military context, of a political context. She'd be thinking of a king that was going to defeat Rome, right? She'd be thinking of a king that was going to set up a physical kingdom on earth, a physical kingdom that was for Jews only. So based on the culture of the day, her expectation would have been a physical salvation, a physical kingdom, a physical king, and a physical reign that would start now with the birth of Jesus, that that kingdom would start now and would go on for eternity uninterrupted. So that is, if you said, Mary, did you know your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? That is what she would have said. But is that what the song means? No. no. So maybe I'm jumping ahead, but That's if you okay. go to the Mary song, the Magnificat. Yeah. It says there, uh, for he is mighty and has done great things for me, holy his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generations to generations. Right. Which would indicate that she did know something about that. Well, but that could also mean generations to generations of Jewish people in this kingdom from this point forward. I mean, you could, you could, you could interpret just the Jews. Yes. You could interpret that as her saying that that blessing is going to come through his physical kingdom on earth for generations to come to the Jewish people as he establishes his kingdom on earth. So, I mean, we look at it now and interpret it as meaning more. But at the time, I don't know that she meant it to be more. I mean, sometimes we read into something that, that so a lot of times scripture is a double entendre, right? It has a, um, an immediate purpose and understanding and then it has a future so i think when mary actually said that maybe what she was saying was of that moment where we can take it now and look at it in a, in a secondary way and it, it applies to both yeah. but i think 
if if we were going to say to to Mary, what does save mean to you right now? That she wouldn't really have said that the kingdom was going to be for all people, for example, uh, or that it was not going to happen right then and there, for example. But we but but the song isn't talking about that kind of yeah. salvation, is it? The song is talking about a spiritual salvation, right? So we as Christians, when we talk about salvation, it's spiritual, not physical. It's uh, to be saved from our sins. It's, it's forgiveness that we receive through faith in Christ. That's what saved means to us, right? And we talk about the kingdom of God. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom at this point, right? It's not a physical kingdom on earth here. It's a spiritual kingdom of all who believe. And it's for all people who believe, right? Not just for the Jewish people. Uh, and and that Jesus is our spiritual king, and he doesn't rule right now in a physical place on earth, but Jesus as our spiritual king rules in our hearts, right? So that's what the song is talking about. It Also, when we talk about Christ and that kind of salvation, that there will someday be an earthly kingdom of God, right? That someday Jesus will be king on earth, that someday there will be an actual uh, a kingdom uh, that he will reign. And so uh, when we talk, and that will happen on his second coming, right? So when he comes again, he'll set up a kingdom and he'll be the king of all people. And he will, and that will be for eternity, right? So that part of it, uh, Mary would be able to say, yeah, you know, that's what, uh, that's what I can see. Uh, and, and we, and we do have that we, 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 it just didn't happen then. It is going, what Gabriel said is going to happen is going to happen, but it's going to happen in the future. It's going to happen when Jesus returns, right? So uh, although uh, Mary could tie into that part of it, I don't think that she knew what we know. I don't think uh, if we went back and said, Mary... Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? She would not have known the way that we interpret save today. She, I don't think she could have known that Jesus would be that. I mean, she, she knew he'd be a spiritual leader, but not one that would go back to his father, you know, die on the cross, be resurrected. She didn't know. I don't think she could possibly. She couldn't possibly have known what we know today of Jesus at that at that moment right after he was born. So if we went back on our way to back time machine, she would know some of it, but she wouldn't know all that we know today. Craig, yeah. I'm not sure the angel is saying that he's going to come down and rule on this earth forever. I think the angel is saying that he, they will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. I think he's talking about the kingdom in our hearts. I think he's talking more about he will reign over us, but not necessarily idols. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think that that very well is what Gabriel is saying. But what we're asking is not not what he said as we look at it today and understand it, but what would Mary have interpreted knowing what she knew at that moment? Like I said before, we can go back and read a lot into Scripture knowing what we know now. And sometimes, like in this, it does have, you know, a, a, an application then, an application in the future. But if we just go back and say, at that moment, what did Mary know? 
that she had to have been thinking it was going to be a kingdom that he was going to start right then and there, a physical kingdom, they're going to throw off Rome and start his kingdom right there on earth for eternity for the Jews. Uh, that has to be what she was thinking. But even though she didn't know that, she did know something that we can apply, I think. And that is the first thing you guys uh, looked at when uh, Gabriel was talking to her. And that was that he will be great, right? He will be great. So the song says, uh, the song defines some of that greatness for us. For example, what are some of the things that the song says that Jesus, the, in, the, in the greatness of Jesus, that he would do? He'll heal the blind and uh, right. raise the dead. Save our sons and daughters. Right. That's, yeah. There are some specific actual physical things that the, the song talk says. Um, Mary, did you know that your baby will one day walk on water? Oof, probably didn't know that, but that's cool. Give sight to a blind man. Uh, calm the storm with his hand. That the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, uh, the lame will leap. The dumb will speak. I mean, she probably didn't know any of that, but under the term of greatness, what what do you think in her mind she was thinking, he will be great? You know, how would she have defined greatness? I don't think she would have said, okay, well, great means he's going to walk on water and he's going to heal. I don't know. Huh? The king is great. Yeah. The king is great? <clears throat> I think she just probably thought that people would uh, look up to him, respect him. You know, he's great. He's a, like, like you said, he's a king. Like David. Yeah. Well, that's if you should say that because yeah. David writes the 23rd Psalm, which talks about a good shepherd. David was a shepherd. So he knows the difference between being a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. And a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. A good shepherd makes sure they're fed. A good shepherd makes sure that they're not infected with insects. A good shepherd makes makes sure when they fall down, they get picked back up. A good shepherd protects them. A good shepherd provides for them. A good shepherd leads them. A good shepherd, this is what a good shepherd does. So if that's what a good shepherd does, what does a great king do? The same things, right? A great if you have a great king, he's taking care of you. He's protecting you. He's providing for you. He's helping you. He's guiding you. A great king. So I think I think you're all right, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head that what Mary did know is that he would be a great king and being a great king, he would be a blessing to the world. I'd be a blessing uh, you know, of course, that time she's thinking blessing to the Jewish people, but we know now the broader broader making that broader a blessing to the whole world. So the, if you think about this in the context of what she knew and what she was told, even in what we're talking here, yes, think about her reaction at the cross when Jesus died. Mm -hmm. what, what is what's going through her mind at that point after these promises that she received from an angel, you know, are now hanging on the cross? Yeah. As soon as you say that, because Mike, I have a conclusion today. <laughs> one of the things I one of the things the conclusion is that. Mary did not know the things that we know, but we do know what that song is talking about. And because we do know, what we do know saves us, right? 
So do we know, we know that that baby boy that Mary held would save our sons and daughters because it saved us and will save our sons and daughters too. Joe, did you want to say something? Yeah, the one thing that I think that's a very important part of the picture is how Joseph was reacting to her saying she was pregnant. He was ready to divorce her. He was ready to hide her. And how was she feeling? Okay, wait a minute. I just had this angel tell me this, and then my partner is going to turn his back on me. Yeah. And so the dynamics that come into play there, you know, it's like, I don't think Mary had as much knowledge as we thought she had, because that was a, that was a bomb. And that takes it, you know, even though she had no guarantee that uh, Joseph would stay with her, she was still willing to do it, willing to go, God, okay, whatever happens with Joseph happens, but it's me and you here, you know. Okay, so here's my conclusion that Mike just brought up to me. This is, this is the way I kind of conceptualize it. The baby who was laid on the rough wood of a manger laid himself down on the rough wood of a cross. And the story of Christmas only begins at Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. The story only finds its meaning at Jesus' death in Jerusalem, and it only fulfills its promise in the empty tomb of Easter. We can't celebrate Christmas without bringing up Easter, right? Okay, last thing. We have just enough time to do it. So, Joe just brought up the thing about um, Joseph and Mary, right? So, um, I uh, wrote this um, little story, and uh, we're talking about the beginning, right? The beginning here, the beginning of Jesus' birth and what's going to happen. So, I thought, in my own spiritual imagination, what would happen if we took it even further back? What would, what would, what, you know, um, you don't know, Joseph wrote a journal, right? Joseph, he wrote a journal, and I happened to find that journal uh, over in an archaeological dig over in Anderson Township. And um, so this is from Joseph's journal, and it's, it's, it talks about the beginning. It's the beginning of when he met Mary. So here is Joseph's journal, the beginning. He writes, how to start such a story? I suppose one must start at the beginning. Carpentry, my trade, started it all. Making a table for a family which lived on the other side of town a job I thought would be like any other turned out to be unlike any job before or since. Although I did not know the family, I had heard of them, because Nazareth is a small town and everyone has heard of everyone else, even if you don't know them personally. They lived in a small house and had a little flock of sheep. Not enough sheep for the man of the house to be considered a shepherd. Instead, he was more of a farmer with sheep. His farm was also home to a milk cow, a donkey, and a handful of chickens. I packed up my tools, loaded them onto my cart, along with a pile of oak planks, and headed across town. Oak makes nice, sturdy furniture, and oak trees are plentiful nearby, which lightens the labor of hauling newly felled trunks back to my shop, where I turn them into usable wood. Oak is also less expensive than other woods, such as cedar or sycamore, which is why I chose it for this job. The one thing I did know about this family was that they could not afford an expensive piece of furniture, so I, offered them a ta- so I wanted to offer them a table of modest cost. As I neared their place, I could see someone walking from the barn to the house, carrying a woven basket in one hand and a wood bucket in the other. It was was still too far away to see clearly, but I could tell it was a girl, a girl of small stature, and to my eye, young, although she was still too far away for me to tell anything more. When I arrived, I grabbed my work apron and headed for the door. 
Imagine my surprise when my knocking was answered by that same girl. I'd expected to see a man standing in front of me, and I had already blurted out a few words of my practice salutation using my best burly business voice before I realized who was standing there. But it was too late to start over, so I tried to stop in mid-sentence, feeling my face turning red with embarrassment. I was certain she would think me a fool who could not tell the difference between an adult, an adult man and a young girl, and she would have a funny story to tell her friends. Maybe it was her soft smile that changed my mind almost instantly, or maybe it was the sparkle in her eyes, or maybe it was the way she quickly glanced down after seeing my silliness, seemingly more sensitive about it than me. I knew right then I had nothing to fear from any tales she might tell. Actually, I was immediately intrigued by her, and my stomach felt funny in a way I had not experienced before. She invited me inside and then quickly turned and left the room. When she returned, her father was with her, and it was then that I learned her name as he introduced us, Mary. Within a few minutes, the deal was done for their, t for their oak table. It would be round with three legs, common in homes like this. It was not a table for the family to use at meals. Rather, it was a table on which those meals would be made. In the years to come, that table would taste the sweetness of cakes made with dates. It would feel the sprinkling of wheat flour when bread was needed. It would be moistened with olive oil for the making of offerings at synagogue. I could have finished the table in two days easily, but I stretched it out to four, using every excuse I could think of to delay its completion, which gave me more time to get to know Mary. During those first few days, I learned the kind of person she was and the kind of family she was a part of. Her father and mother were so faithful to our Jewish faith. They were obedient in their home behind closed doors to Torah. They were kind, not only kind to me, but to their neighbors, and they were also kind to one another. Talking to them, I learned that they were from the tribe of Judah, which made my heart sore because so was I. Having that shared history encouraged a trust between us that would, not, that would have taken much longer to attain otherwise. And then there was Mary. My initial impression of her was proven right. She was young, but on the cusp of being old enough for her father to consider a, matri a, a matrimonial match. She worked hard helping her parents around the farm, learning homemaking from her mother, and glad to lend a hand with the animals as well. Did I mention her looks? Some people may have considered her average, somewhat pretty perhaps, but she looked beautiful to me. Yet for any outward attractiveness, it was her inner beauty that drew my attention. She was gentle, soft-spoken, and happy. I don't know how to describe it, really. She just seemed to have a purity about her. Not naivete, just goodness. It was an innocence that enveloped her. And you could tell that she loved the Lord. After that new table was finished, I found other reasons to go back to Mary's home on a regular basis. Most often, the reason was to help her father, even though he did not ask for help, and I did not charge him a fee. I fixed a leak in their roof, replaced the door to the barn, made a new stool for, Sarah to, for Mary to use whenever she milked the cow, gave her mother a large bowl, mended the wheel on their wagon, and used some leftover wood for a new manger. Those projects were all done with joy because each one meant that I could spend more time with Mary. I'd loved her from the moment she first opened that door, but as I came to know her better, I loved her even more. Finally, after the proper amount of time had passed, I worked up the courage to ask Mary's father for her hand in marriage. He was not surprised, he said. Actually, he wondered why it had taken me so long. If it were up to him, he confided, he would have made the match right then and there. It was within his legal right to do so as the head of the household, but being the considerate father he was, he wanted to discuss my proposal with Mary first. So I returned home and waited, and waited. I was so anxious to hear what Mary would say that every minute of the day seemed like an hour and a day seemed like a week. What was taking so long? Was it bad news? 
Could it be that Mary's father was delayed because he did not want to break my heart? I tried to stay busy, keeping, uh, hoping to keep such thoughts from overwhelming me. Sorry to say, it didn't really work. About a week later, as I was sweeping sawdust from the floor, I heard a donkey pulling a wagon and coming around the corner near my workshop. My heart stopped. No, it raced, actually, wildly. I couldn't breathe. I opened the door, and there he was, Mary's father, pulling on the reins to stop the wagon. I ran out to help him down, then hurriedly tied up the donkey and ushered him into the shop. As he walked past me, I thought I heard him chuckle a little bit under his breath. We sat down, and I poured him a cup of water. He drank, then drank again, then drank yet again. What news did he bring? Did Mary accept my proposal, or did she reject it? As I wondered if he would ever say anything, as I was dying with every moment that passed without a word, he smiled and said, it is a match. And that is how it started. From that moment on, nothing went like I had planned it. A quiet life in Nazareth, working as a carpenter with Mary by my side, with a few children to care for us in our old age, is what I expected. But that is not what happened. What did happen, though, was so much better, but that story will have to wait for another day. So... That's Joseph's journal. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. That's all I got today, guys. That concludes this episode of Where's God?, Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.